Our next guest, Nissim Black, is a very exciting one. He's only in his early 30s, but he's already had a very full and a very diverse life. Growing up in Seattle, he experienced violence on the street and saw drug abuse. He then, at eight years old, moved in with his grandfather, a Sunni Muslim, who taught him about prayer. He then converted when he was 13 to Christianity. And in 2013, along with his wife, his wife's sister and brother-in-law, he converted to Orthodox Judaism and he moved to Jerusalem. His rap songs have millions of views on YouTube. Nissim, welcome. It's so great to have you here. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much. Nissim, can you tell us about your story, what your life was like as a child in Seattle and your journey to Judaism and being a Hasidic Jew in Jerusalem? Um, that's, a, that's a long story. Um, anyway, um, I grew up in Seattle. Um, I was very exposed to violence and criminal activity. Um, I got involved very early myself. Uh, by the time I was nine years old, I was already smoking pot. By the time I was 12, I was already dealing. Um, I, uh, I joined the street gang, uh, Gangster Disciple Nation, um, also known as, you know, Black Gangster Disciple. And uh, I found myself, you know, living as a troubled youth inside the, you know, urban community, um, like a lot of uh, people of color. And, um, you know, that was just sort of the way life was. I, I was first introduced to religion. Um, my grandfather was a Sunni Muslim, came to live with us when I was younger. And I would go with him to the mosque. I prayed with him five times a day in the house. Uh, my parents were, were not religious, um, not my, my mother and, and, and my dad, who I call my, he's my dad, but, you know, my stepfather and my biological father was also my life. Now, he, on the other hand, did start becoming more religious. Um, and now today he's a professor and Christian, uh, uh, Christian theologian. And um, so as I got older, I sort of had this conflict because, you know, my grandfather was one religion, you know, my, my father was a different religion. And, you know, in between all of that was just, you know, regular life, you know what I mean, uh, growing up in the in urban, urban community. Um, now, as I got a little older, um, I started to uh, take my music more serious. Uh, both my parents were, um, they pioneered music. Uh, rap music in Seattle. So they're the first rappers. My mother was part of the first female rap group and my father uh, was a part of the first male rap group, which is in the, it was in the early 1980s. Um, so I kind of grew up loving music and always had that. And I, right around 13 years old is when I took it really seriously. Um, and um, I, st I recorded my first record then. And shortly after that, I ended up going to, to a hip hop program at a place uh, called the Union Gospel Mission, which was a Christian missionary center, um, which, I, you know, didn't make a difference to me. I was going there to do music. And um, the more and more time I spent there with the, you know, loving and caring people that they were, um, I ended up going to a missionary camp where I ended up converting to Christianity. Um, and so that would be a transformative time in my life because I was entering into high school. And, um, you know, previously already my my grade school to middle school years were very, very rough. Like I said, hanging out with the wrong crowd, smoking weed every day. I was expelled from the school district of Seattle um, um, for, you know, violent behavior. And so I found myself now entering into, um, you know, into high school, which my high school was uh, uh, not necessarily um, a safe haven, <laughs> you know, or, or a place that would, uh, to some degree, I would say promote um, excelling or exceeding, you know what I mean, and being successful um, outside of the street life. So 
Uh, that was already to some degree going into a hostile environment for a person who was trying to change and live a different life. Um, a lot of good people there, but um, it was just, you know, it was the way that the, the system had it set up. Anyway, so um, going through uh, my high school years, I typically, you know, I was very into football, American football. Um, and that was like a passion of mine in between that and music. And, you know, I was sort of like coast through high school a little bit, like, you know, having more ups and downs on a spiritual level, um, just trying to grow. And I got very involved in all the Christian missionary initiatives and, and, and Bible study groups and different things. And then right around, I think it was my senior year, um, a demo of mine, I made it to the desk of the A&R from a record label, uh, Virgin Records. And so that started conversations that um, will eventually lead to a proposal of a contract and not an actual contract. And just on the proposal alone, um, they were willing to offer a lot more money if I would, uh, you know, portray more of a street and more gangster um, uh, appearance and, and, and type of sound. And so um, I eventually gave in to that, which was silly because it didn't even lead into anything, but it, I, I did. And the more and more um, that I started to, uh, per, per, you know, personify um, that, then the more and more it became more of a reality. Um, to make a long story shorter, because I tell this story usually in an hour to two hours, um, to make a long story short, I um, ended up in a, you know, what we call a rap beef. One rapper um, said disrespectful things about me on the song, which led into a, a physical altercation, um, which uh, led to a kill or be killed situation. Um, and that put me in a place of really asking, like, is this the real type of life? Is this really what you want to do with your life? And um, after we were able to put things behind us, um, I continued to reflect and I started to pray again. And I started to think to myself, how did I get here? You know, how did I go from being involved in, you know, missionary initiatives and Bible study groups to all of a sudden now I'm like, you know, back in deep to, to a lifestyle that I thought I left. Um, so I continued to pray and seek answers. And the more and more I started to pray and the more and more I started to ask questions, I started to dig very, very deep into the Bible, to the Tanakh, the Old Testament, which made me grab a Quran, which made me grab, you know, the JPS Tanakh and the Chumash. And before you knew it, I was eight hours a day standing between these all these different texts and searching and crying out to God, searching on the internet, um, trying to find the answers and the root. Now, what was interesting for me is that I grew up uh, very close to the Jewish neighborhood, or I mean, considerably it was inside the area of the neighborhood. Um, but um, so I would walk through a shul every day to go to school, and I would ride my bike in the back of another shul on the weekends, different things. So um, I was familiar with the Jewish community that was that was there in the neighborhood. However, I didn't have an actual relationship with them. So I started to become more curious about, you know, what what is the Jewish belief, and um, so it took me, you know. Um, maybe I would say two years of going into the Messianic uh, uh, space for a while. I looked into the Hebrew Israelite space for a while. Um, and and I, at the end of everything, I think the biggest thing for me was I couldn't shake this great longing um, inside of my heart uh, to, to really grow and connect with Eretz Israel and the people of Israel because I kept seeing, I think I, one of the things was that stood out for me was that I kept seeing the, the unwavering love that Hashem had um, for the Jewish people. And you would see that, you know, how many times we fell away from him and he's like 
constantly taking the Jewish people back and all the words of the prophets are ending with, uh, you know, words of manucha and restoration and really seeing that narrative, I really wanted to be a part of it. Um, and so we continued to grow, first me and then my wife. And my wife was, is best friends with her sister. And her sister is married to my best friend since kindergarten. Uh, somebody who's very close with, uh, you know, for a long time in my life. And so it just sort of worked out. We were all on this journey. We didn't know where it was going to go. Um, and we just continued to grow, pray together, sharpen each other. Um, and it eventually led to us uh, making a gay in Seattle. Um, and shortly after the, the Gayers, I mean, it, I mean, really the whole time that I had been learning about, um, about uh, Israel, about the Jewish people, I was already ready to move to Israel. My wife, on the other hand, was not ready to move as fast as I was. So it took a lot of prayers and a lot of uh, crying out. And eventually, you know, she acted like it was her own idea. So we ended up uh, moving and maybe four years ago now. Uh, and I couldn't tell you, we couldn't be happier, um, you know. And my wife herself, I had been here already on a visit. Shortly after I gave us a friend of the community, it took me and my brother-in-law. Um, so we got to come and scope it out. But my wife and my sister-in-law, they moved sight unseen, never been here, didn't know the language, didn't know anything. We like really moved on Muna, like real faith. Like we didn't have an apartment. I, I told Nefesh for Nefesh we were gonna move into one place. It didn't happen. We knew long before we got here, we had to find an apartment after we got here. My brother and sister-in-law, they moved with no clothes, the clothes they had on the back, that's how they came. Like we really uh, put a heart into it. And, and thank God, we, you know, very, very happy. I've heard you say that when you moved to Jerusalem, you felt that even the air was different. Are there any things that you miss about your hometown? Um, you know, you, you mentioned that you grew up in a Jewish area without knowing that much about Judaism. But after learning and studying, you wanted to serve Hashem in authenticity. So you did the Orthodox conversion. Do you feel like you have been accepted by the Jewish community? Um, absolutely. By and large, for the most part, for sure. Um, I feel like I've been accepted, um, especially in Seattle. It was the best place for us because um, people are, you know, the Yidden Jewish people are, uh, there's, the places that they are have Hashem in them. Um, Seattle is a very welcoming um, very um, open and, and loving place. Um, I'm not going to say that, like I said, you know, we'll probably get into it a little bit later about what's underneath the surface, but there's definitely um, a love, uh, you know, of all people preached, taught, and fought for um, in Seattle, Washington. So um, the fact that we were there, I feel like that, that the Jewish people were there in that space was the best place for us to actually go feel love right away, feel accepted, and, and to be able to experience a chesed and, and, and kindness that we never experienced before, for sure. And um, you've mentioned that your father is one of your greatest supporters. Are you still in contact with other people from your previous community? For sure, for sure. I have been over the last two years or so. Um, uh, I went back to go shoot a documentary. Israeli TV brought me back. You know, for me, I was a bit nervous. I don't know what people think or feeling or what, you know, so. But being able to go back and, you know, uh, connect with, you know, my brothers and sisters and my, my uh, you know, my family members, it was a, that was big for me. It was very, very big for me. Um, um, and my, even my boys, you know, from, from, from the neighborhood, it was very good to connect with them. And we've been in touch ever since, you know, like I just messaged him with one of my, you know, childhood friends just yesterday. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I'm very much so, like, connected, you know, um, even more so now. 
That's amazing. Now, I've also heard you say before that you can relate to a lot of different people because you've actually experienced their lives, which most people haven't done. So they're coming to it from a place of not understanding it in the same way that you can understand it. At this current time of unrest and conflict in America, the place that you were born and you were raised, how important do you think it is to try and see the world through other people's lives? Do you think maybe that's the answer to a more peaceful coexistence? Um, I believe that is completely the answer. I think one of the things that you said, and it's dawning on me even more as I say this, I've said it before in a different uh, setting, but I think it's, you're right, I've lived that life and I feel very strongly, um, just as much as I'm in love with Hashem and I'm in love with Yiddishkeit and with Yidin, I've been a Muslim before. So to hear a person who's never been a Muslim talk about, you know, the Muslims and what they believe and all that, you never been one, so you don't know. You know what I'm saying? To talk about the African-American community and what, oh, this is not really, well, you don't, you, you never been one, so you don't know. Just like they don't know what it's like to, 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 to be white in this day and age. You don't know what it's like to be black. And, and you know, I haven't been white, but um, I definitely have been um, in multiple circles as, as, you know what I'm saying? From being a Christian, from being in the streets and, and, and um, breaking the law all the way to being a law by abiding a tax paying citizen. I've been that guy also. So um, I feel like for me, nobody has a monopoly on the truth. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it just doesn't work that way. Um, the, the, the only truth really comes from Hashem. And the, 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 the less that a person is plugged into the truth to, to Hashem, the less and less truth that you have. Um, I feel like we're sitting in a time where um, people are operating out of fear um, people are operating um, in a way that's irrational. Um, it's completely irrational to believe that your opinion is the only opinion that exists, right? There's other people that have a, have a, um, have other opinions. As an African-American male, um, I for sure will not subscribe to the fact that there is not systemic racism in America, but there are others that will because they grew up privileged. So who am I to tell him, no, you got to be on my side or whatever. That's my story. That's my story. This other person who grew up more privileged, maybe his parents or his grandparents may have went through something and he didn't. So he sees the world from a completely different place than what I or somebody else who's, who's experienced more racism than I've ever, you know, you know, my, my dealings with it has been very light um, in terms of uh, blatant, it being blatant. Um, so the, the, the notion and the idea that everybody um, experiences everything uh, we could say this clawing we can group and bring everybody under the same umbrella I think is completely um, I think it's nonsense so I think the healing starts you know as you mentioned from looking from where other people are standing and from their shoes and it's okay you know to be comfortable um, I, that was another thing for Judaism that, that that I love and I feel like the world even knew this as they you know uh, always seem to have some problem over here is that we don't we don't condemn or say you go to hell if you're not Jewish, like you have to believe in what we believe. Uh, no, you know, it's 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 a it's a very beautiful thing to be able to not have a pressure to feel like I got to convert this person to my beliefs or else it's going to be doomsday for him. You know what I mean? So I feel like that sort of thing has like you know everything that people are that even non-religious that the religion has been taken over by whatever the political views are, or whatever they, whatever they believe, or whatever cause that they have, that anything outside of that, all you did was replace religion with, with another cause <laughs> to be the reason for why you want to exclude somebody else. So 
um, I'm very, very much so of the um, uh, of the opinion that you know we should be able to hear everybody else and their opinions, and from there, only there we can hear. I've read quotes from some of your fans that have said that you unite communities that are usually very isolated. Mm-hmm. We've touched on, you know, how, are there incidents when you were growing up where you experienced racism? Have you experienced anti-Semitism? And do you ever compare racism to anti-Semitism? For sure. Absolutely, they're compared. And I think it's, it's somewhat of the, um, you know, it's, 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 a, it's an agenda almost, I feel like, um, to separate the African-American community and the Jewish community um, from the places where there's a commonality and understanding of, of, of being oppressed and being, you know, like, you know, for, from the, from the black perspective, you could look at it like this, you know, um, and now first, let me answer the question. I've experienced both, both. Um, I have been, um, racially profiled, you know, uh, typically from SPD Seattle police department. Um, I, I was arrested my first time I was arrested. I was 13 years old and I just happened to be, the truth was I was with guys that were criminals. I wasn't a criminal, but I was with guys that were criminals that do crime. So I did get arrested and I got grouped in, but they also let me go because the, um, the people that were the suspects, I mean, the, um, the victims actually pointed me out and said that I didn't do anything. So I ended up walking. Um, but I later on ended up with a warrant because that, uh, because of the, um, the justice system there, the, the prosecutor wanted to, or whatever, whoever wanted to um, bring me back in, maybe for questioning or different things like that. And in the meantime, my house had burnt down and I had to live outside the city that I was in until the house was rebuilt. We did have insurance on the house, thank God. So it ended up getting rebuilt. Um, so by the time, a couple of years later, I had never known that I was summoned to court or that I had a warrant for my arrest. Um, by the time I was arrested, you know, I would have never been caught hanging out with the guys that I was with. By this time, I was already involved in the Union Gospel Mission, um, Christian and Faith Ministries and different things like that. So by the time they got me and I went to well, actually do, you know, time, I, it wasn't, wasn't, wasn't long, a few days I was in uh, juvenile. Um, I was already a transformed and different kid completely, let alone the fact that the original thing I had nothing to do with. So, um, and the, the, the amount of love and support that I have from the community um, was amazing. Um, shortly after that, I ended up getting arrested again for truancy because, uh, you know, I wasn't, my attendance at school um, wasn't, wasn't up to par, uh, which they were putting people in, in jail for. But, you know, it wasn't like I missed all my days of school. I just came late. I was a senior. I was finishing up my last year. I didn't have to, my other classes, it didn't matter if I passed, I failed them or whatever. I was being a little lazy or whatever. I ended up going to, uh, you know, get going into custody be, behind that. Um, and, you know, being on the other side of the neighborhood and getting pulled over because we were, you know, not the color of everybody else inside the neighborhood it was clearly because the cop told us he pulled us over because he didn't think we had insurance. But you only know if a person didn't have insurance if you check their insurance card, right? Um, so these type of things, yes, I've experienced them, systemic racism. My high school that I went to, that I mentioned to you, we didn't have books, at least for the first three years that I was there, for the, of the four years, we didn't have books. We were passing around packets, right? There were other schools. We were last in the district in test scores. We had the lowest scores um, in the whole entire city without regular textbooks. And not only that, 
We had brand new football uniforms and basketball uniforms, brand new court, brand new stadium, brand new everything in terms of sports, which we really did excel in. We we're really great in sports. Um, but that's where the funding went and it didn't go towards textbooks and further in our education. So we got to see that um, also too. Um, which I think would take, you know, was a major part, which is a predominantly African-American school. I could count on a hand and a half of how many European or people that were white that actually went to the school. So as opposed to where obviously the opposite was happening in other communities. So I have experienced it from, uh, from that standpoint. Um, and on the other end, I would say like this, you know, enduring that and going through, I've had people throw eggs on me because I was Jewish. Um, I've, <laughs> I've had to endure numerous of uh, emails. I mean, you could just go through some of even the comments I get on YouTube from people that, um, that have problems with Jews and, and, and different things and spew that and disrespect it because of uh, Judaism, both also in Seattle and then also when I came into Israel um, and things I get sometimes in the street walking in New York. So um, I definitely is, have experienced both. Now, the, the interesting thing about it is, like I said, the commonality between the two is really, really amazing because, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day and they're just like, well, you know, how can you really say Preston? And they say, well, listen, my grandparents were Jewish, right? They came over here from Europe and it was also hard for them when they got here in America. People didn't treat Jews so great or whatever. So I, I, I said, well, listen, for you to go from that your grandfather to build up something that would lead to generational wealth for you and your family that was only from what how many years 50s maybe 60s something like that we've been here since 1619 <laughs> and during that time you know i don't know how many you know god forbid that there are but i don't know how many times or how many pictures that can be produced from just before that time that you know um jews arrived here from 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 europe um, that you can see lynching mobs, you can see several black people being hung and, and people standing around and smiling and, and this, you know, lynch parties. So this was, this is, you're talking about something that was already here. Now on the other end, what didn't get seen from the black community, black community, you're in your own oppression. You don't see that 6 million Jews were just slaughtered in Europe and came here as a place of refuge. You don't know what the conditions were like. Every Jew was not wealthy in Europe. Um, so you, you understand what we, nobody got to see what, what you went through. How many yeshiva boys have come up to me and just like, well, you know, when did your parents move to America? Like you guys came from Africa. Like, no, my parents came here. My grandparents, grandparents, grandparents came here on slave ships, <laughs> you know? So, um, I think that there's just like a whole bunch of dialogue that really isn't happening and things are perpetrated, uh, perpetrated to, to, to share a certain thing. The African-American story completely is showed to be one of violence, lack of education, lazy, um, wh whatever other uh, stereotype that you have, right? And now with the new propaganda and everything else is going on, well, who owned the slave ships? Jews. This, these were all owned by Jews. You see what I'm saying? So it's like I can play these two sides of these two different minorities uh, against each other because guess what? Just because 10, 20, 30 people get caught stealing or doing something that, that incriminates them doesn't mean that's what black people are. And if there's 10 or 20 people that own slave ships that were Jewish, that doesn't mean that represents all of the millions of Jews that there are. You understand? But if I can highlight this and I can create and sell you a story, I'm going to tell you this and I can put these two against each other. And then who gets to go free? 
the same people that enslaved and killed black people and, and oppressed and killed Jewish people. They're, they get to go scot-free. No, we're on your side. No, we're on your side. You understand? So I feel like there's more, more to it and, and more needs for grounds of conversation to be able to see from the eyes of where other people are coming from. And let's hope that that dialogue can happen. And now, can we talk yes. about the music? You were offered a rap deal in your 11th year of school, I believe, by Virgin Records. Mm -hmm. um, you said where the language and the characters were a lot more salubrious. And then the altercation mm -hmm. with your rival rapper is what led you on a journey of self-discovery and, and, you know, speaking to him and, and it not ending in a potentially tragic way that it could have. Now you've been credited with revolutionizing rap music and with filling it with lyrics of hope and prayer and salvation and also bringing rap music to Orthodox Jews. What life messages are you going to share with your children and what life messages would you like to share with us here? I think the biggest thing for me is that, you know, um, is, is the absolute need um, that the that the soul has for its connection um, with the ship with the creator and and I say that for all people all backgrounds only and I say to my children uh, my kids thank God are able to go to Hadarim schools um, where they're able to learn um, about the fundamentals of Judaism my boys will they're learning Torah they're going to learn Talmud they're going to learn you know uh, Gemara different things and they will expand in those areas and that's what we expect of our educational institutions but one thing that they cannot uh give them and will not be able to give them is the panemius of the torah the inner part of it which is all based on the connection and being bound up with the shim so that's the main thing that i try to give to my children and that's what i tried to give to claudius bro that's what i'm trying to give to the world um is that you know that's the main thing um because even like i said you know we were just discussing the last topic. The only person that can identify with everybody more, you know, obviously I, I put myself in that position, but I'm saying even greater than that is, is, is God himself, you know? And I feel like, you know, the real answer um, to a lot of these things is for a person to really turn and increase themselves, increase their spiritual state of mind, you know, have an expanded consciousness because everybody's only talking about, um, what they're going through from some other experience, right? So even if I was to talk to you um, and, 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 and we were to continue to speak on, you know, whatever the problem in America or the problems here in Israel or in Australia or whatever, right? I have to glean and take so much information from other people's experiences and other people's news in order to be able to give you something that's called educated, right? Um, and I may talk about what I myself experienced also too, but the truth is the only thing that I really have a handle on and really know very well is what I experienced. Not what everybody else said, or they said because I would have to agree and believe that every single other person out there telling the story exactly what happened, or, you know, so I feel like not having Hashem um, and not having that connection with him, um, the Emmas, is, is, is something that stirs us in a path of disagreement and uncontention and confusion. Um, so uh, that's, that's my message from the world is that the main thing is to, is to be connected with God. Do you talk to your children about the current situation in America now? Absolutely not. My kids have no idea what's going on over there. They have um, zero connection to it. Um, they, yeah, for sure not. I, they, I mean, you know, my eldest is, she just became bat mitzvah. She's 12 years old, you know, 
Um, so, you know, she's worried about her bat mitzvah party uh, after Corona. So like, uh, that, you know, that's the extent after her of an eight-year-old. Um, I don't feel like this is anything necessary for them. To, I mean, once you once you have a shim, you have all. So um, I think that that's the most important message for them. As long as I can give them the proper filter system that when they do become more exposed to whatever, I don't know where the world will be by the time they're old enough to really be able to digest these things. But hopefully they'll have the proper filter system. They'll have, you know, um, the right eyes to look at things from. Um, now, as we conclude our conversation, we're going to play one of your recent songs, Motherland Bounce, which I believe has 4 million viewers on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, Congratulations. Yeah. Um, can you tell <laughs> the you. story behind Motherland Bounce? Motherland Bounce it was ex inspired behind, you know, even some of this conversation I'm having with you um, is that, you know, I'm very, very proud to be who I am as an African-American um, and I'm proud of my lineage and, my, and that, and that does not conflict with the fact that I'm also extremely proud of uh, my Jewish in, uh, inheritance, everything I've inherited, obviously, from Avraham Avino and from, uh, from Klai Yisrael, my inheritance is, is a share in, in Klai Yisrael, um, but I'm very, very proud of that. And I wanted to be able to say that unapologetically to the world that, you know what I'm saying? I am a minority within a minority and another minority. I'm Hasidish, I'm Breslov, I'm, you know what I'm saying? You could keep push, pushing me down, you know, I'm figuring out some, some other way to make myself a minority. Um, but at the, at the end of the day, um, that pride and the, and the strength and the, the, the fact that I'm proud of it, I wanted to be able to exude that and to be able to give other people pride. I wanted to be able to strengthen uh, the pride to Jews and, and Labdil, to African-Americans, to Asian-Americans, to whoever it is um, that, that feels sort of like they have to suppress who they are in order to please other people. So I wanted to be able to make a song that was sort of felt like a freedom song. Amazing. So we're, we're going to listen to it. And when things become a little bit more normal and travel becomes possible again, we hope that you will be in Australia and that we'll be able to actually hear you live. Oh, I would love to. That, you know, over the years, there have been a lot of threats to bring me to Australia. They have not happened yet. So um, I'm waiting for my chance. Well, let's hope that that chance comes soon because I've also seen a lot of clips of you performing live. <laughs> is amazing so i hope that that is very, very soon and we're going to play thank, Mother you so much. thank you so much for joining us thank you thank you we gon' play it loud until they feel it, yeah. yeah. We gon' blow the roof up off the building, yeah. yeah. We gon' play that motherland bounce. Check it out now, motherland bounce. Check it out now, motherland bounce. We buy yeah. Black and get a shopping with a Sammy Davis cousin. Tried to dodge the industry, but now my name is buzzing. They all saying that I'm conscious. I say that it's nonsense. So I say I've been on since on. Had an on switch from Seattle, the rainy city where my mom lived. In Jerusalem, the golden city that was conquered. But still we moving onward. Motherland conquest. Smell me like an armpit. Yeah. yeah. We gon' play.
playing loud and kind of chilling, yo. Yeah, we gon' blow the roof up off the building, yo. We gon' play that motherland bounce. Check it out now, motherland bounce. Check it out now, motherland bounce. We yabba. My mama told me that I read good. Been on my straight and narrow, but my history is the hood. Thank God today that we could buy a box of Cheerios or kicks. I can even buy tricks. I'm no longer on wick. EBT car rip in my passport lip. Stamp like a notary from every country that I went. Ain't a country like this from the others you've been sent. Black is beautiful. This gon' be the motherland hit. Yeah. Yeah, we gon' play it loud and to the city, yo. Yeah, we gon' blow the roof up off the building, yo. Yeah, we gon' play that motherland bounce. Check it out now, motherland bounce. Check it out now, motherland bounce. We baba. Yeah, yeah, bounce, yo. Yeah, yeah, bounce, yo. Yeah, yeah, we bounce, yeah, 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 yeah. He said it's God's plan, but I'm God's man. Yeah, I used to run with BGD. Yeah. I dropped the B and put a O after the G. Yeah. Six points, still big up King D. In the synagogue, camouflage, but I can't wipe the skin off. I'm proud of it, it's loud a bit, but I'm not trying to crisscross. I done made it this far, hold it all in my heart. I hold my breath and brace myself when they take their socks off. Ain't no monkey business, cause ain't no monkeys in here. I know what you've been thinking, the black A blinking. Just wanted you to be aware. Signing off, it's Mr. Black. Hitler's worst nightmare, yeah. Yeah, we gon' play it loud and turn it silly, yeah. Yeah, we gon' blow the roof up off the building, yeah. yeah. We gon' play that motherland bounce, check it out now, motherland bounce, check it out now, motherland bounce, we baba. Yeah, we gon' play it loud and turn it silly, yeah. Yeah, we gon' blow the roof up off the building, yeah. yeah. We gon' play that motherland bounce, check it out now, motherland bounce, check it out now, motherland bounce, we baba. You gotta take your hat off, man. Another one? You gotta take your hat off, brother. I can't cut your hair. <laughs> <laughs>